One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Gary S. has supported independent tech news directly for five years. We like Gary. Become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Friday, January 25th, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. From Hoth, a.k.a. the north coast of Ohio, I'm Len Peralta. And I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang. Also uh, frigid, frigidly uh, near Len Peralta is uh, Rob Dunwood, co-host of the SMR podcast, joining us today. Thanks for joining us, Rob. Thanks hey, Rob. for having me. How's everybody doing today? We are good. Are you warm? No, I am not. <laughs> I'm a little warmer than I'm Lynn, but uh, just a couple degrees above zero here. Well, uh, Sarah and Roger and I will send some California warmth your way and try to get you some hot tech news today. Yes. Awesome. Get everything going. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. Nokia announced some new North American carrier deals. Among them, Cricket, which is an AT&T MBNO, is getting the Nokia 3.1 Plus. Verizon is getting the Nokia 2.1. And up in Canada, Rogers will carry a Nokia phone, although that one is yet to be announced. The 3.1 Plus goes for $160 and is uh, 6-inch, 14 by 4720, 18 by 9 LCD display has a rear fingerprint reader, a dual rear camera system, an Android 9 Pi with two years of updates. Not a bad deal. It's the first U.S. availability and notably switches from a MediaTek Helio P22 system on a chip to a Qualcomm Snapdragon 439 SoC. Developer Till Kotman solved slash worked around slash cheated, depending on how you view it, Google I.O.'s conference puzzle to reveal that the event will take place between May 7th and May 9th at the familiar Shoreline Amphitheater in Mountain View, California. Cotman didn't actually solve the puzzle. He found the dates in a since-deleted JSON file associated uh, with the event. That was not the intended solution, though. Uh, but Google has confirmed, yeah, May 7th through the 9th. That's what it's going to be. The ZigBee Alliance, which oversees implementation of the ZigBee wireless smart home protocol, announced that Amazon now has a seat on their board. As a board member, Amazon will now be able to, quote, drive specification development requirements and test plans, end quote. Amazon currently sells the Echo Plus and Ring Home Alarm systems that support the ZigBee protocol. 
makes sense for them to be on a board like that, I guess. They do a lot of home stuff. Strategy Analytics reports Huawei finished Q4 2018 by increasing its market share lead in China from 20 to 25.7% year over year. Oppo held on to its number two spot, though Vivo moved within a couple of tenths of a point. And Apple moved in front of Xiaomi to take fourth for the quarter in China. However, only Vivo and Huawei raised their number of shipments year over year in China. Apple declined, Xiaomi declined, uh, even Oppo declined, uh, but they, they still were able to shift around market share. Let's talk a little bit more about the great unification movement, Sarah. Let's do it. The New York Times reports that according to its sources, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, perhaps you've heard of him, plans to unify the underlying messaging infrastructure across Instagram and WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger, all, of course, under the Facebook umbrella. They would all continue to work as standalone apps, but would add end-to-end encryption and allow for encrypted messaging between the services. The unified messaging infrastructure will reportedly be ready by early 2020. I have questions. Uh, what are what are they? Sometimes when people say end to end, they don't necessarily mean end to end. And Facebook Messenger does not currently use end to end for business reasons, which I would like to know how they're going to deal with that. Uh, if they want to provide the advertising level and service level on their bots and stuff, they're going to have to change that. So lots and lots of questions. Obviously, this is sources say, even though Facebook is is acknowledging uh, that, that yes, they would like to do something like this. They're, they're being very vague because they're not ready to announce something, but all, all, if all of those questions were answered sufficiently, I'd, I'd be very pleased at end to end encryption. Uh, I would also have questions about how permissions are granted to share between the services. So Mm -hmm. especially between WhatsApp and the other two services, um, curious, Rob, if, if you have any of these same or different questions. Yeah, I, well, if if they do this, it would be big because I think that you know pretty much Earth outside of North America uses WhatsApp mm-hmm. um, religiously, mm-hmm. um, and you know here we're kind of on a, a little bit of a little bit of iMessage, a little bit of WhatsApp, a lot of bit of Facebook, um, a lot of bit of Instagram. But if they combine all three of these. Um, you know, it's, it's going to really challenge, in my opinion, just SMS, you know, texting. I mean, I was talking, uh, you know, with my co-host on, uh, you know, on my show, we don't really text anymore. Um, you know, usually when it's, when we get a text, it's from somebody who we, you know, know does not have WhatsApp or have Facebook. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I'm kind of for this, but, you know, Tom, to your point, how are they going to do this? Um, they're, they're saying some things that mean something um, technically that, uh, you know, I don't know that they're ready for yet. So it, it'll be interesting to see how do they actually pull off end to end encryption. That That is what is uh, curious to me. My eyebrows raised to that. Yeah, devil's in the details on that. Now, I, I know on the SMR podcast you were saying that the school uh, that your kids go to is dropping SMS, and and what it, I I don't remember if WhatsApp was was a part of that replacement. So, uh, so yeah, my uh, school system they use uh, a system, and I I just draw drew a blank on the name of it, but essentially it's you know you put your uh, your uh, telephone number into it and, you know, teachers in the school system can notify you um, of what's going on uh, with the school, remind you of when your students have uh, you know, tests or, you know, important assignments that they need to work on. 
and I believe Verizon is uh, raising the price fairly substantially on how much it costs to actually use this system from an SMS standpoint. So they just decided to just drop Verizon, um, and they will not. They will no longer deliver messages uh, via SMS through Verizon. And what the uh, company is basically saying is that, well, we have an app. Um, and we can deliver through email as well. So just use that. And, you know, the discussion on, you know, on the SMR podcast was, you know, are, are we getting to the point to where SMS is pretty old tech? Uh, you know, can you feasibly get around doing things um, without using uh, SMS? And I think the answer is yes, because you're seeing that, you know, this is, you know, it's a pretty popular application. A lot of school systems use it. And this company is just saying, you know, you know what? We have an app. Most of our, you know, most of our parents have downloaded the app. We don't need to use SMS any longer. Yeah. Facebook settled a class action lawsuit in the U.S. back in 2016 over accusations the company knowingly let children run up bills on parents' credit cards. And now the U.S.-based Center for Investigative Reporting has obtained the sealed court documents from Facebook that show staff discussed what to do with whales, as they called Mm. the high-spending children, and termed the issue friendly fraud. Staff put together a policy to require children to re-enter credit card details when buying in-game items, but it was never implemented. Facebook's official policy was to give free virtual items, but not refund the charges because they didn't want to take the hit to the bottom line. As part of the settlement of the case, Facebook agreed to dedicate an internal queue to refund requests for in-app purchases made by U.S. miners, so you can get refunds now. Keep in mind, though, one thing that puzzled me as I was reading this and I could not find an answer, Facebook doesn't allow people under the age of 13 to make accounts. So this was this is trickier than it looks because you could have friendly fraud where people are basically using someone else's account, their parents account to get around the age limit and then making purchases. And that violates the terms of service. So it's. It, it it sounds really bad the way Facebook discussed this, especially because it was all about the bottom line. But they could have taken a, a higher road here and said, no, you shouldn't be allowing your children to use your account. They didn't do that, though. Some of the terminology uh, is con- uh, confuddling to me, if that's even a word, uh, because we, you know, we're, we're so familiar with things like, you know, God, God view, uh, you know, with Uber, you know, where people go like, well, you can't call yourself God. Don't call children whales, even if it was an internal thing. When that gets leaked out, that tends to become a sensational part of the story. Sure. And, you know, it's sort of like, I don't know. I mean, why, why, why was that a thing? It, it, it makes very little sense to me, even though uh, what's the underlying issues is a lot bigger of an issue. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the camp that I don't really trust Facebook feigning innocence on pretty much anything going forward. <laughs> You know, anymore. It's just it's hard to believe that they don't know that this is going on. They they know and they know that a large segment of their users are kids under 13. And they just kind of let that slide. They they should have done something um, before it got to this point. It's just 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 be a good citizen and and, and fix these issues. Apple ran into the same issue in 2013 and and put in controls and said, okay, we're going to you know, we're going to provide refunds and and we're going to put in speed bumps to to make it clear because a lot of times children using an app don't realize that a certain action costs real world money, which is part of the reason that you're not supposed to use Facebook if you're under the age of 13. And again, I'm not saying I give I let Facebook off the hook or give them the benefit of the doubt because they didn't do what I think they should have, which is 
confront this by saying, hey, we shouldn't we should be discouraging children under the age of 13 from using Facebook. Instead, they sort of linked like, well, we know you all do it, but how about some virtual items so we can keep your money? Like, that's just that's just not right. right. Yeah, just roll. Alphabet's DeepMind subsidiary using an AI system called AlphaStar finally lost to a human opponent. We don't hear these stories very often. Uh, Grigzer's Mana Comics. I'm definitely butchering your name, but congratulations. After beating professional StarCraft II players in 10 consecutive matches, lost to a human. AlphaStar was limited to a human level of clicks per minute, but was able to view the whole map at once rather than manually navigating commendators noted that the AI showed exceptional micromanagement of units and was able to direct three distinct attacks simultaneously, giving it something of an advantage. Now, the first 10 matches were streamed in December, with the final human win streamed on January 24th. Yeah. StarCraft II, uh, something that is much more difficult for machine learning to learn than go right with with go or chess or anything like that it's turn-based so you know okay i will make this move then they will make a move starcraft 2 everybody's doing everything at once so it is quite an achievement for an ai with reinforcement learning and and what they said was about 200 years worth of experience to be able to play at this level they're not beating champions they're beating pros uh, but they're not necessarily the best players at StarCraft II, but it's still an achievement. Also, mm-hmm. I don't know, they, the fact that it was able to see the whole map at once, uh, the developers said, well, it can only look at one part at a time. But according to the reports, it was able to like deploy units in three different locations simultaneously, right? So that's that, it's something a human could not do. I'm just glad that a human won because I want this person to basically train people when Skynet takes over. That that's that's what I'm looking for. People who can actually fight the Terminators. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, uh, you know, in, in the future. Mount uh, but I am I'm a huge Yeah, I, I'm a you know, I'm a huge fan of this game. Um, and you're right. This is not the it's, it's not the game that's going to be easy for a computer to learn the logic and then just do stuff because this is one of those games to where you can do something really really stupid and it shakes your opponent and they don't know how to respond to it. Yeah, because it's it's just a completely un- illogical thing to do in the game. So I'm just I, like I said, I'm just glad that we have humans who can beat Skynet. That's I'm always a fan of that. <laughs> There's hope for the future, thankfully. Uh, the BBC reports that many Spotify users have noticed artists like Berganulo 5, Brat Knight, DJ Bruges, and Dublin Knight show up on their playlists. The problem is people had never heard of these bands and didn't know how they got on their playlists. Songs from these unexpected artists are short, with few or no lyrics. They have generic cover art. Sometimes it's just the name of the band. Short, non-descriptive song titles, and little or no presence anywhere outside Spotify. The songs often show thousands of plays, though the users don't recall ever having listened to them. These mystery core bands, as they're being dubbed, started showing up in October 2018, around the time that Facebook revealed its login tokens had been breached. So some people have been theorizing maybe that's what's happening. But it also was a month after Spotify started letting indie artists upload their music directly. So it could just be something related to that. Spotify says many of the artists have been removed for abnormal streaming activity, but they deny that this is linked to the Facebook access tokens. You know, the upload part of this, okay, you could you could say eh, he's probably, you know, maybe something that had to do with Spotify relaxing its terms, but it doesn't really account for all of the streams by users. Well, 
yeah, I mean, the idea with the tokens would be that if someone had your login token, they could sneakily get into your account and then have a bot automatically play a song a bunch of times to, to run up the counts, then cash the check that they get for all those plays across a bunch of a different different accounts. But if Spotify saying that didn't happen. But users aren't really saying that that's in their, their uh, play logs. Yes. No, it, that's what they are saying. They're saying it's in my log, but I never played it. Oh, uh, well, okay. That changes things somewhat. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, this sounds like there's some funky business going on on, on, on the back end. And uh, I'll be interested to see the conclusion of, of this. I, I don't think this story is over. I wonder if there's something with the indie artist uploading that allows, you know, there's some some uh, some vulnerability in that uploading system that that's being exploited too, where they can they can fake plays from accounts without actually having to have access to the accounts. Because the other thing is, you know, Facebook says it revoked these tokens. Spotify says no, it's not these tokens, and you could do so much more with someone's Spotify account than just run up a few plays. You would think that we'd be seeing other things being done if these tokens were still out there and still usable. So I feel like it's not the tokens, but it's some other vulnerability that's being accessed. And the coincidence with the indie uploads makes me think it has to do, it has to have something to do with that. Yeah. Also, I was a big fan of Burganulo five before they sold out. (laughs) Just really went downhill. Universal music. A study by MIT's media lab found that Amazon's recognition systems for facial analytics, analytics showed difficulty discerning the gender of female and darker skinned faces compared to competing solutions from China's MIGV, IBM, and Microsoft. Now, the study specifically found that recognition misclassified women as men 19% of the time and darker skinned women for men 31% of the time. In comparison, Microsoft's facial recognition had a 1.5% error rate in the same instances. Amazon told the New York Times that in recent internal tests using an updated version of the service, the company found no difference in accuracy in classifying gender across all ethnicities. Yeah, Amazon also uh, pointed out that they offer facial analysis, which is tell me what kind of person this is, and facial recognition, which is tell me if it's this person, tell me who this person is. Sure, exactly. You know, and this is facial analysis. This is like, tell me if this is, you know, tell me what kind of person we're seeing in this photo. I think that uh, a big part of this goes to just diversity of the teams that are actually working on it. Mm. Um, if you have more women of color working on the system, it's probably going to be better at detecting women of color. If you have more women in general working on the system, it's going to be better at detecting women. So I think that, you know, there's probably a diversity play here. And we know that, uh, you know, the uh, Silicon Valley is not the, necessarily the most you know diverse place on the planet. I think that they're making strides to get towards that. But, you know, I, I kind of wonder if, you know, if you start to see the dev teams on the back end change, if you'll see different statistics on the front end. Yeah, right. I, mean, I, I think that's 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 an extremely good point, because what does a woman look like? Well, you know, depends on who you're talking to. So the more um, diversity you have within uh, the folks that are they're building out programs like this, the better. And it's not magic. It's not 
because no. you put diverse people on it, suddenly magically the AI gets better. It's because the bias is introduced in the way you train. Usually bias is introduced in the training data set where you pick a data set that reflects an unconscious bias. It's not that the people do it on purpose. It's that, you know, oh, I'm going to I'm going to train this on a bunch of photos from my yearbook. Right. If I did that. Uh, you'd have a very white data set because my high school was predominantly white people. So if you don't have anybody who notices that, then you don't you don't have a, a very good training set. And if you have a more diverse staff developing, there are going to be more people who go, well, wait a minute, I'm Indian. I don't see any Indians in this data set. That's not good. We we need to we need to recognize that because you will bring your own set of perspectives to that. And it's important when creating the parameters for training an AI to make sure that you're avoiding any of these unconscious biases. The latest issue of the journal Science contains the results of a study of fake news on Twitter during the 2016 U.S. presidential election conducted by scientists from Northeastern, Harvard, and the University of Buffalo. Among registered voters on Twitter, the peer-reviewed study found 1% of individuals accounted for 80% of exposures. So a very small number of people were sharing the most of this stuff. 0.1% accounted for 80% of fake news that was shared. The median super consumer of fake news sources, that is defined as the person who who like consumed the most fake news a lot all the time every day, the median super consumer had almost 4700 daily exposures to political URLs in general as compared with only 49 for the median panel member. So to translate that, those who were being exposed to the most fake news were also being exposed to the most news, while your average person only saw 49 URLs altogether and very little fake news. For people across the political spectrum, most political news came from mainstream media. Now, this is not to say there isn't a problem, but this is the kind of stuff I've been waiting to come out to say, hey, we know there's a problem. How extensive is it? Because that informs how much effort should be directed and where it should be directed. Rob, do you spend a lot of time on Twitter? And what are your thoughts on this whole fake news phenomenon? So I am not a big Twitter uh, user, but it I kind of think that, you know, the folks who are looking for, you know, political news, I mean, it kind of makes sense that if you really are the, uh, you know, the type of person that's just looking for all the news, the occurrences of stuff that's fake is going to be higher for you. And I think that that's kind of what this is saying. So um, it's I'm not necessarily shocked that the numbers are kind of shocking, but I'm not shocked by the trend by the existence. Yeah, right. I, I, I think this points out that this problem is overblown. It's not that it isn't a problem. It's that I think a lot of people assume these numbers would be 50, 70 percent when they're one percent, 0.1 percent. And that means this should be an easier problem to take care of. Uh, this is this is something where a few targeted things. You don't need war rooms. Uh, you don't need like huge panels. I, I think you and this, this journal actually offers a few potential solutions to to help reduce this closer to zero. And the closer you get it to zero, the less effect it's even potentially going to have. I'm still looking for some good studies to come out, and they're being done about what effect this kind of thing had. But the fact that these numbers are low means okay. I feel a little better that this problem is potentially not the end of the world. Yeah, I, I, I would agree because, you know, when you actually listen to 
news organizations talk about this, you know, it, it sounds like it is just Armageddon with fake news coming at you. And this is, I mean, there, there's a lot of it out there, but clearly it's not nearly as bad as I think that what a lot of people make it out to be. Yeah. According to the, according to this study. If I may venture close to being outside of technology, perhaps the problem is not fake news accidentally persuading people to do something they didn't want to do, but people not agreeing on what they want to do and what they want to believe in. And maybe that's the area we should focus more of our efforts in is fostering discussion. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Understanding versus spending all of our time creating a war room to clamp down on something that is a 1% problem. Right. Mm. Just, I don't know. I'm probably crazy. But not crazy. Yeah. No, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good thing to go into our weekends. Yeah. Yeah, there there, there, there might be something to that, you know, yeah. foster discussion, mm-hmm. T- you know, talk through your issues as compared to you're wrong. And this, it, it, I can absolutely see that because yeah. it's like, I, I think that there is a market for fake news and that market, you know, uh, they, they know how to find the people who are interested in it. I'll be honest, well, I've, sure. I've, I've felt like Facebook has been chasing headlines by trying to fight fake news with all their efforts rather than saying, hey, you know what? We're actively studying how to foster quality discussion. Although, to be fair, they've said that too, but I don't see them having a, a tour of a war room to foster quality discussion uh, as a press event. And I would like to see that, I think. Hey, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. 
Also, thanks to everyone who participates in our subreddit. Submit stories and also vote on others by your peers. DailyTechNewsShow.reddit.com. We're also on Facebook. Do the same thing there. Hang out with your buds at Facebook.com slash groups slash DailyTechNewsShow. And we got some great uh, response to our story about the big 4K display for classrooms yesterday. Let's check it out in the mailbag. Yeah, we did. Uh, First one comes from Justin, says, I'm a middle school teacher in Houston, Texas. Hello, Justin. My school district has put uh, Promethean active displays in almost every classroom. They're only 1080p, not 4K, but a similar product to the Dell model. Multi-touch, passive styli, good stuff. They do come with some software, but I don't use any of it in my classroom. Windows 10 has a lot of touch support built in, and you can do a lot with it without needing extra software. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Tyler added, I'm a technology coordinator for a very small rural public school district in Ohio. Just very apropos for today. We're about 900 students total, kindergarten through 12th grade. I wanted to give a little information on the large display touch panel market that Sarah had said. She thought the panel seemed kind of expensive. The price is pretty on point, though. We're currently paying a little over 5K for ours. We're currently purchasing Clever Touch branded because of a point Patrick brought up that was in yesterday's show, and that's software. The ones we're purchasing run a custom version of Android, fits our needs better. How it used to work before these touch uh, panels were in every classroom would have been ceiling mounted projectors mm. hooked up to the teacher workstation, then a touch board that was called a smart board. Smart makes a software package now that was called Smart Notebook previously that was amazing several years ago. However, they changed their pricing model to a subscription only and made the pricing way too high to justify yearly costs. Finally, to Tom's point, none of these would have ever been in any classroom. Uh, Tom's point that these wouldn't be in every classroom, rather, is actually kind of wrong. We're Hmm. currently replacing five of the smart boards with the Clever Touch panels every year and more. If we had money any left over in our budget at the end of the year. And yeah, so a couple good little perspectives on what teachers are actually doing in the classroom. Well, and I love this too, because uh, we we had people in the chat room as we were talking about it saying like, no classroom is going to afford this. And I love that the rural public school district in Ohio is like, oh yeah, we can afford more yeah. than one. We can put them in almost every classroom. Right, uh, exactly. And right. and like, and, and didn't say this is not expensive. They acknowledged no. that it was, but that, well, we're still using it because it's important. Yeah, and? It's, there's there's a benefit to it, and I mean, just think about that. They said 900 students from K through 12. Yeah, that wasn't just the high school, no, or just a no. couple of the middle schools. A, that was the whole school. Yeah, that's system. a small school. So it, it, you know, so yeah, if, if if it's expensive, but if a school like that can do it, there must be some benefits to using this yeah. technology. And the guy in Houston's like software. Who needs it? Windows is great. The guy in rural Ohio is like, oh no, we use the software. So there's always different opinions and, and different reasons for, for doing things different ways. I loved hearing these two different perspectives. That was awesome. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Let's check in with Len Peralta, who has been illustrating today's show. What have you drawn for us today, Len? You know, today's image is from <laughs> I could do more uh, uh, with this uh, idea uh, department. Um, I love the Spotify story this week um, today about the, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't know if you'd call them fake bands because they're real bands. They just, nobody knows how they got I mean, on their maybe. list. <laughs> yeah. We don't really know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Fake news, right? Fake yeah. bands. Um, but <laughs> I, I, what I wanted to do if I had the time, and of course we only have a half an hour, I wanted to draw every one of those bands, mm-hmm. Bergenoodle 5, Brat Knight, 
uh, DJ <laughs> Gruel and um, Dublin Knight. Um, but I only got to do Burganulo 5. So this is my interpretation of the Burganulo 5. You can listen to their newest <laughs> release whether you want to or not. Including Willy Wonka and Leprechaun. <laughs> yes. It's who knows. Yeah, I mean, great, but I'd love to do. I'd love to draw a brat night. Wouldn't that be hilarious? That's hilarious. Like a guy in a brat suit or something. Um, this is definitely one I need to have and put up uh, somewhere because it's like a concert poster for. You know, I yeah, I definitely want to do more of these. So yeah. maybe along the line, I'll be uh, I'll be drawing the rest of these mystery core bands. Well, uh, all you mystery core and especially you Burganulo Five fans, be sure <laughs> to head on over to LenPeraltaStore.com. <laughs> yeah, go to lemprawlstore.com, get the uh, bring it to their show, have them sign it. It's going to be awesome. Be great. Also, thanks so much to Rob Deanwood for being with us this fine Friday. Rob, tell everyone where they can keep up with everything that you do. So, I am on all the things at Rob <laughs> Dunwood. Um as I said earlier, I don't really check Twitter that much, but if you hit me up there, I will re- reply back to you. And recently, I've just uh, gone back into the workforce uh, or the corporate workforce. And I'm now the head of uh, sales engineering at a startup, Columbus-based startup uh, called Wiretap based out of right downtown Columbus, Ohio. Nice. Very cool. And again, folks, if you're looking for Rob Dunwood in all the places, it's two Bs in Rob and Dunwood spelled like Dune Wood, D-U-N-E-W-O-O-D. Right. Folks, you can review us on iTunes or anywhere that takes podcast reviews. That helps other people discover us. So if you, you know, if you're like, I want to tell people about DTNS, but I've told all the people I know in real life, go review us on iTunes or something. Uh, Manny suggested uh, or, or left this review. I will give you as an example. Manny wrote, "I need DTNS like I need to hear good music. It's the only way I keep myself up to date on the biggest stories in science and technology news. It's so good I pay to support the show and ensure its viability. Tom and Sarah bring unique perspectives to each story and ask darn good questions. Mix in the regular and more sporadic guest hosts that are all part of the DTNS family, and you have a highly interactive, caring, smart bunch of people dissecting the news and helping you figure out what it actually means for you. Oh, Manny, that's so nice. I would um, say that uh, condensed, that would be DTNS. It's my Toto's Africa. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Manny. Uh, Like I said, uh, don't forget, folks, you can uh, review DTNS and help others discover it. Do it now. Absolutely. Our email address, if you have feedback for us, we will read them. We love them. Keep it coming. Feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We're also live Monday through Friday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2130 UTC. Find out more. Tell a friend. Share it all at dtnsdailytechnewsshow.com slash live. I'm out next week, but Sir and Roger will be here. Plus, Monday, we have Dr. Kiki and Aaron Carson on the show. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.